Hey, what's up, Tree Church? It is good to be back with you. This is Pastor Mackey on the Tree Church Bible Study Podcast. Uh, today, we are still in the Gospel of Mark, which I'm super excited about. Um, love the Gospels. Love, obviously, um, everything that communicate about who Jesus is, who he was physically on earth, um, and how he relates to us. And we're in Mark chapter 10 today. We've got a good chunk here. We're going from verse 32 to verse 52, the very end of chapter 10. And rather than reading it all at once, I'm going to go story by story. Here in 32 through 52, we are encountering three different moments or three different stories here. Three separate narratives um, about Jesus. Jesus where he's operating, he's speaking, uh, he's doing something in all three of these stories. Anyway, let's get to it. Verse 32 starts off. We've just got a few verses here in this first story. Uh, Mark 10, 32 says this. I'm in the English Standard Version. And they were on the road going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking ahead of them. And they were amazed, and those who followed were afraid. And taking the twelve again, he began to tell them what was to happen to him, saying, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles. They will mock him and spit on him and flog him and kill him. And after three days, he will rise. Uh, Jesus is doing this again. He is actually predicting his death um, and resurrection. Um, fulfilling not only the prophecy made about him in Isaiah and other places in the Old Testament, um, he is repeating a prophecy. He's he's not necessarily prophesying himself, uh, but rather he is here um, to predict his death to the disciples. Um, I always find it how you know funny, a little bit funny, that the disciples are a bit surprised here that we don't see that much here in this telling of that and Mark. Uh, but the disciples are always surprised by this um, because I believe encountering the Messiah and for who he actually is and and seeing a story that's been told to you multiple times play out in real time has to be jarring. Uh, these prophecies have been made, like we said, hundreds and hundreds of years before this. And Jesus is telling them, hey, I am the one that's going to fulfill these prophecies. And it's so interesting and so powerful how Jesus is not only retelling the prophecy, but he's telling it with detail. He's predicting his death and just proving to us uh, that he is God, that Jesus is God. He is the Son of God. He was sent as Messiah. He needed to confirm that. He needed to convince his disciples of that. Um, so they would go out and eventually do his work and build his church to start his church. Um He's fulfilling these prophecies to a t to the T, like I said, and even uh, adding detail to it to where he fulfills them. We read the, on in the Gospels later these things he says, you know, down um, to the detail of being flogged and spit on and mocked. All these things being fulfilled later on, um, not only by biblical accounts, but thousands and thousands of other accounts outside of the Bible. We continue on to verse thirty-five. Here, the next story. Uh, at the end of this chapter, and James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up and said, came up to him, came up to Jesus and said to him, teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, what do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, grant us to sit one at the, your right hand and one at your left in your glory. Jesus said to them, you do not know what you are asking. 
Are you able to drink the cup that I drink? Or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? And they said to him, We are able. And Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink you will drink, and with the baptism with which I am baptized you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those whom it has been prepared. And when the ten heard it, they began to be indignant at James and John. And Jesus called them to him and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be the slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. I love this section of scripture. Uh, some of my favorite. When, when I'm talking with our team of leaders here um, in our youth ministry or any volunteer, anyone, any Christian really, any Christ follower um, that serves God and or they're not. And, you know, this is a good encouragement of this is a perfect example, perfect story where Jesus takes um, the desire of James and John and James and John, they're desiring status here. They're desiring power. They're saying, Jesus, when we get to heaven, we believe you're the Messiah. We believe you're God. We want to sit next to you in heaven. We want, you know, uh, literally, we know you'll sit on a throne. We want thrones as well next to you. And this is so powerful, what Jesus uses this story for. Uh, He first asks them, are you able to drink the cup that I drink? Obviously, he's using um, some metaphorical language here, Jesus is, and it's really an allegory. It's um, allegorical language. Uh, Drinking the cup here necessarily isn't about communion where we drink of a cup, which hasn't happened in Mark, by the way. They haven't gone to the Last Supper. But what he means by drinking the cup is in this culture, when you shared of a cup, you're sharing um, this is language or an imagery for sharing in something more than a physical act of, say, drinking of a cup. It's sharing in action. So drinking of the cup literally meant Jesus was talking about suffering, um, not and, and not just suffering physically, um, uh, even suffering spiritually at times. Um, they would go on to be persecuted, these disciples, obviously. Also, um, what he explains later here is the cup he's talking about, Jesus, is his servanthood and, and, and what that looks like. He goes on and says, will you be able to have the baptism with which I am baptized? And again, this isn't water baptism. I believe this is baptism. I believe Jesus is talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He goes on, he talks about serving. He talks about how the Gentiles, non-Jewish people, how power and status in this culture and this culture so similar to ours exactly the same uh, when we think of status and power in our culture we think of managers and leaders and so forth Um, i love when people talk about leadership i love the topic of leadership but the topic of leadership from a biblical worldview always has to begin with this it has to begin with servanthood um, it doesn't matter how important you are. It doesn't matter what royal lineage you come from. It doesn't matter what your status is financially. Um, none of those things equal leadership. Uh, none of those things equal power. None of those e- things equal authority in the kingdom of God. 
Rather, Jesus is telling us here, he's flipping this concept of power and of status on its head and to say, listen, the Gentiles lord it over them. They have this power, you know, they, they misuse it at times and so forth. But to follow me means, uh, to follow me means serving people and serving people will mean that you have authority. That the person that's at the top of the food chain in the kingdom of God is the one that serves the most. So we said, what a powerful thing to understand here is, is so now Jesus is talking to all the disciples and saying, Hey, the cup I drink of it's servanthood. Are you able to do that? Do you even know the cost of being a follower of me to be my disciple? And finally, you'll need the baptism to carry that cup. If you're going to drink of this cup together, you're going to need the baptism that I received. And that's the baptism of the Holy spirit. So not only do they need to do these things, Not only does that mean power and status and authority, but also they're going to need the Holy Spirit, that they can't do it by themselves, that we can't do it by ourselves. That, you know, if you call yourself a Christian, if you call yourself a follower of Jesus um, and you want status, you desire power, you desire a seat at the table, a seat at the table in this kingdom means serving and serving should be exhilarating and exciting because the Holy Spirit is helping us along along with that. I love this chunk of scripture. Finally, we go into a new miracle that Jesus is going to do right after, um, seemingly here in Mark, right after he has this talk about servanthood and about authority, he goes right into performing a miracle that was also prophesied about in Isaiah. Chapter, uh, verse 46 says, they came to Jericho and he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimius, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting Timaeus, I'm sorry, was sitting by the roadside. These are awesome names for children, if anybody out there wants to do that. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out. He began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. I love this story. I love this healing. I love this miracle. This is a sign. This is a wonder. This is something um, even more than explaining that the explain Jesus did at the beginning of this chunk of scripture about that he really is the son of God. More than that, he's showing people and he's leaving people in awe about who he is, is that he does perform miracles with the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, this scripture, unfortunately, is misused at times. Um, at times, uh, people interpret this scripture as meaning, well, if I just have enough faith, I'll be healed. You see, he says, Jesus says something specifically, um, and there's no hidden language here. He's saying, this is what he's saying to him. He said, your faith has healed you. Um, I believe the misuse of the scripture can be extremely damaging that I believe that when we don't see that healing that we're looking for, um, in the way that we were looking for it, it can be super discouraging to us and to our faith. Here's what I think this story guarantees. First of all, 
the first things first is that Jesus is Lord. He is God. He is miraculous. He is wondrous. Uh, he is wonderful. Uh, the second thing I think it guarantees is that Jesus will answer every time we call his name. Jesus will answer every time we call his name. So when we do ask for that healing, I believe it happens. But rather than teach you, you know, something different, explain the scripture, something different. I'll say this is I believe that healing happens, but in the way that Jesus would have it and intend it. So when we don't see that healing here on earth, I believe if you follow God, you follow Jesus, you've named him your Lord and Savior in your heart and in your life. I believe you'll see that healing, maybe even on the other side of heaven. That sometimes that we don't see it the right way and, you know, we weren't healed of this thing the way and that timing and so forth. And, and it could be so discouraging, but I want you to be encouraged today that every time you call in the name of Jesus, that he answers, that that's the faith we have is that if we have a God that we serve, that we love, that will answer the call. So if we receive that healing now on earth in five years and 10 years, even if it's on the other side of heaven and we receive that holding and healing because we're in a place that's not imperfect, but rather perfect in heaven at this point. I believe that he, he answers every time we call his name. Be blessed today. Be encouraged. We love you. Have an awesome day.